The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. All right, welcome everybody to the Big Footy podcast once again. Mac is having a bit of a rest and I can understand why. He's worked his guts out this year. Um, so I'm Rick Newenhoven taking over for Macca for tonight. And with me, we have fellow host, Mac, uh, Macca. Porsche, how are you going? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. And while Macca's not here, can I just say, I mean, it's pretty obvious, I guess, probably to listeners, but it's really obvious to me how much work Macca does. I mean, Rick and myself just sort of rock up, uh, although Rick, I think, does a bit more wheeler dealy stuff. But as far as the actual grunt work for every week, Macca does a hell of a lot. And good work to him this year. Um, might as well say congratulations while he's not here to be all bashful about it. So well done, Macca. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah. Absolutely, Macca. And, and don't don't feel too bad. We can't leave him completely out. We'll send him the audio file at the end of the show so he can still edit that for us. So he can still have some form of involvement. So that's good. All right, let's get on to the big, um, the big grisly topic of uh, the draft period. It's finally happened. The big fish, the dicko, is in our midst. Yep. No, it's a, I think that without parallel... And I would actually include the year that we entered the AFL. This has been our biggest AFL trading period in Port Adelaide history. Um, because if you think about the players that we got in in that trading period in 1996, it was not it was what John Rombotis and stuff like that. I think not yeah. not a great selection of players. Um, but we've managed to not only fill a hole in our side um, that we desperately needed to fill, we managed to fill it with an age appropriate player. Um, and I'll talk about that a bit later. But also, we managed to net the rarest player type in AFL to get in the trade period, which is the monster genuine key forward. So not like a Ruckman that can kick a few goals like a Stephen Alessio or something like that, like a real proper key position forward um, that isn't from South Australia, has no real loyalty to Port Adelaide as a club, a bit of loyalty to Ken Hinckley, clearly. Uh, and mm. we've managed to get him over here at a fairly modest price, I think, really, at the end of the day. Um, a first-round pick in a few seconds is not really a, a huge loss, I wouldn't have thought. So, um, look, I think that we should be really happy with that. And Tumpus is just icing on the cake, really. Um, it's an absolute blockbuster. If one of those Good news, happened, Porsche. Pretty happy. Sorry. Oh, what's the news? Tim, are you there? Uh, hello. Hi, Timothy. How are you? I'm uh, IT <laughs> Macken. <laughs> Oh, I was just remember how to do it. I um I was just saying to Porsche, we just we just started talking about Dicko, but I said, oh, I'm a bit worried. I sent Tim a politically incorrect joke because I wanted to go in the theme of comedy, and I was worried that maybe I offended you, Tim. Oh yeah, yeah, you definitely offend me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought I'd just get get the humour going. Oh, but I was. I was that flat out today. I I did uh, end up going. Oh man, I've got to uh, get back to bloody Rick, and uh, and then I read your joke. I said, "No, nah, I shouldn't get back to that. That's disgraceful." <laughs> <laughs> so how are you anyway, mate? Oh, very good, very good. Yes, no, nah, all good, mate. And uh, yes, uh, big news, of course, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But exciting yeah. news for the footy club. Yeah. Well, I'll introduce you to Portia. She's been filling in for me a bit this year. She's also a big footy uh, regular so and a big fan of Port Adelaide. She's been following it for a long time. So, Portia, meet Tim. Hello, Tim. How are you? 
Alcatel Porsche. Gee, yours sounds clear as, mate. So, <laughs> we've, uh, we've put the hard, hard word on her about being professional, like me and Macca, because we're always professional. <laughs> and yep, yep. Your uh, golden microphone, mate. What's going on? <laughs> it's a quality microphone. All right, so we're just talking about Dixon and... Tim, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because Porsche is actually saying that she reckons this is the best AFL trade period Port Adelaide's ever had. Yeah, it might be actually. Yeah, to tell you the truth, probably Port Adelaide hasn't been renowned for for doing too many deals in this period. But um, I must admit, um, getting Paddy Ryder and and uh, I think Jared uh, Pollack year before was was pretty good too. So, uh, but this seems. Yeah, uh, seems to be a whammy. Yeah, look, I'd probably say that if you're talking about the esteem of the players that we've got in, I mean, I think really the only two that probably be comparable would be probably Byron Pickett and Damian Hardwick. Those two years in a row that we got those two players in. Um, but in that yeah, case, I don't think like Damian was probably 28 at that point. I think um, or close to it. Um, whereas we've got Charlie Dixon right in his prime. It's pretty amazing. I, I think it'd be pretty hard to beat this one. I think we've yeah. peaked. Might be right there, Porsche. But I, see, those those two were fairly important to us uh, going forward to win a flag, weren't they? Gee, mm, Toppy and mm. Dan, I just thought it just gave the extra the extra factor where the players just want to know where those particular two are and uh, yeah. that awareness of uh, where are those two because we didn't have a lot of that in our team. We had certainly a lot of um, very, very good players, but uh, not ones with that sort of intimidation factor. And uh, certainly, Damien got in there amongst them in their face, and Choppy was like the, uh, mm. the little silent, silent um, but deadly on the outside. <laughs> yeah, uh, geez, yeah. That worked. hopefully these two are as impactful. Oh, that'd be so, what do, what do you guys think made uh, Gold Coast roll over from? wanting two first-round draft picks to accepting the trade that they finally got? Uh, look, I would probably suggest that it's just the fact they were running out of time and at the end of the day, Charlie Dixon is out of contract. Um, if he, needed, and he had actually finally come out and said he'd come to us in the draft if he needed to, which is really pretty much the biggest kick in the bum you can get uh, for an AFL club, so I think they probably did it, basically. Yeah, my understanding was um, pretty much that Gold Coast knew that we were trying to do a deal with Jimmy Tumpus and they thought, I reckon, that we may need to uh, hasten that deal and then we'll blink and do the the deal that they wanted for, for Dixon to get the Tumpus deal done. But because we were able to do the Tumpus deal prior, that actually then I think they thought well oh gee now there's a different scenario on the table so I think they thought they might be able to outlast us but in the end I think they probably thought gee we better get this done now Do you think I had a bit of a, a rant last week about it thinking that we we should go for Tumpus early if he wanted to come in and, and not delay our second round pick um, uh, trying to trying to delay for Dicko so, and get Tumpus in so Maybe us trading our second round pick to get Tump in maybe showed Gold Coast well we're not going to wait around forever. Um, yeah. yeah, do you think that no, psychology might have come into it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, obviously your rant worked. I think that's what yes. it's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, you don't need, you don't need to hand it to him. 
Uh, yeah, but no, you're spot on, mate. I think it's all a part of negotiating. And what I have liked probably about this particular trade period for all clubs is that most of the deals I've seen done mm. are pretty much winded. And I think that's what negotiating is about. It's not about me coming from the South Pole all the way to your North Pole. It's about us meeting somewhere near the equator. Yeah, look, um, I think with the exception of the Dangerfield deal, which... The Crows did okay, but they'd still be feeling pretty sore about it. They didn't have a lot of leverage, and I think that probably clubs are just a lot more sensible these days than they were when Nick Stevens wanted to change clubs. Um, just knowing that the middle ground is actually a better way going forward because if you, um, when you have big fallout uh, in trade period, I think that clubs are a bit more aware also that fans are listening these days, and so are the media. Uh, and if you can't get trades done, then it's entirely possible that'll be part of the impetus that causes someone to lose their job eventually, I would have thought. <laughs> Yeah, Did you hear the cars just screaming past my office then? This is the safe suburb that I live in. I did Look, hear something there. I just thought it was uh, just thought it was you revving up in the background, mate, ready to take off. There's not much you can do these days without it being uh, well and truly noted. And, mm. you know, with all the technology and the instant, um, the instant uh, instantaneous uh, ability to get hold of that is is where now people are a lot more accountable. But yeah, look in the end, I think uh, it's made trade better. I still think trade's probably a bit long. Um, uh, it used to be a week, maybe maybe it needs to be ten days. But uh, I think you know two and a half weeks, or whatever, is probably a bit long. So yeah, shorten it up a bit. But it it certainly has made clubs very active in it. And I think that's, that makes it far more interesting. I think this year there's been some terrific results for all, I reckon. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, on the Tumpus deal, I think that everyone probably walked away with that with something that they wanted um, because there was a few players thrown around there. I know that reading the Melbourne board on Big Foot, you can see they're pretty happy with Ben Kennedy, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think everyone got a bit of what they wanted. So that, that's an unusual trade period because normally there's one really nasty trade, and I don't think we've had that this year, so that's good. Although Carlisle, Jake Carlisle, one couldn't end up that way. Hard to say. Yeah, yeah, just see how that goes. Uh, that, that's, that's the one. You know, just uh, you see what happens in the wash. You see whether it was a good one or a bad one. But uh, if, it, if a player like that does want out, it's very hard to keep them. And if, you know, especially when you know they're not going to be happy or all the rest of it. But he's, he's probably, for me now, he's got to perform. And uh, mm. as a he's you know, been. Uh, that, that horrible word potential on him for a long time. I think he's got to perform now for, for yeah. the Saints. Mm. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think about um, the signing of Dixon and Tumpers? Is Tumpers? Do you think he's a, he's going to have to force his way into the side? And and what do you expect Dixon's going to do to our team? Is he going to make much change? Are we going to play a little bit more direct than what we did this year? Um, how, how do you see that playing out? Um, well, look, I'd say that uh, the first thing I'd want to say is that if you look at our list now that we've added Dixon, there's no obvious flaws in it anymore, which to me I think that given the way we've traded away a bunch of draft picks the last few years and brought in senior players that are ready to go, I think that the club's really, it's put the moz on itself. It's basically said that we are priming for a premiership now, so I think that you're going to see fans over this off-season get a bit more like, yeah, we're going to win the premiership this year or next year. Um, so I think that's interesting and I'll be... Uh, a huge change in expectation for Charlie Dixon coming in, I'd suggest. 
uh, coming from the Gold Coast, uh, and I think it'll be a bit of a change in the side. I think it'd have to change how the team plays as well, having two genuine key forwards in Schultz and uh, Dixon now, and maybe Butcher if Schultz is injured or, or isn't playing well or whatever else, um, potentially filling in. I think that we'd probably have to change how we'd set up a bit and maybe be a bit less reliant on overloading the defence, all the thoughts. Um, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, it's depth again, isn't it? It's it's uh, pressure for spots. Uh, I think Payne uh, Corns was reported as saying that you know can't play them all. So mm. what is it to make everybody on edge? And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I, I, I think there might have been you know a subconscious, comfortable sort of feeling amongst the group uh, this time last year, mm. and uh, you know that that sometimes you, you feel like okay, well. Yeah, it's just in a way, but accidentally gets in your subconscious, and I think that they, uh, you know, have a I think everybody's on the edge because, as we saw, most, you know, some of the senior players that weren't playing well got dropped eventually, mm. and I think they came back better players uh, and played better footy, and I think there's that element of being on the edge that is so important, and I think now with this added depth that puts everybody on notice, and I love that because you know when you're playing, you want to play well, you want to contribute, and then it's a matter of who's in the best form is in the team at the time, and uh, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So, you know, um, Jimmy gives us uh, again a player in the ilk of a Polek type player that uh, again just adds more and more depth to us. But you know, uh, and I think both players again. Bigger expectations, and, and I'll tell you now, Port Adelaide fans bring that out of anybody. Um, that's what we're about as a footy club. You know, we've got mm. expectations on your form, mm. as simply. So you've got that on your head. You've got a, a coaching structure that demands that, a club that demands that. You're going to do a good pre-season. You're not going to get away with uh, with anything um, uh, understanded, that's for sure. And then that will bring the best out. You know, for Jimmy's sake, he's home, and I think he's a good player. When I saw him play in Woodville West Times Premiership in 2011, I said, this kid mm. play. He's got you know, very good skills, uh, an understanding of the game, but he never looked settled to me in Melbourne. And uh, I think I think he'll, uh, with those two factors of having a really good pre-season, being in stro- inside a strong club with big expectations, I think that'll do him the world of good. And that's the big thing. I, I've seen him play a bit. I think he's got lots of talent. I think there's a big step for him to take now, and, and that's yeah. in producing second and third efforts. And uh, gee whiz, when we played him, and I know he probably wanted to play well when we played last game in Metropolitan Stadium, he kicked the goal that conditions that everybody by you know a, a small forward should do. And I think you know there's that's the magic he can do. That's talented stuff. I just want to see him, you know, really produce second and third efforts and become a really powerful target. Yeah. Um, can I just ask a question, Tim, just basically on your experience with Port Adelaide premierships? Um, I know that a few years ago there was a big talk about how Geelong's mindset changed before they won in 2007 and had Max Rook and a bunch of other blokes saying, look, we want to win premierships. Um, is there a, a, a real mindset change within the club and within the players and the team when that sort of thing looks like it's a possibility or that you believe you can do it? And where would you say that Port currently are on that? Is it that Port think they're building to something or do you think there might be a change in that 
attitude or is it really just a matter of just turning up and doing the same thing every week and just relying on your hard work to get the results? Um, my start on that is firstly Geelong, uh, well they had the biggest kick in the pan because they didn't make the finals in mm. 2006 and it's a yeah. massive review. So you got a whole club on edge. You know, mm. that was a whole club on edge and they put everybody on notice. I think from our point of view, um, I think they, you know, as, as the footy club overall, we just did some things that uh, we learned enormous amounts of lessons out of, in my opinion. And uh, pre-season, I think we would do that completely different. In When I'm saying pre-season, I'm talking about the actual trial games. I mm. thought we treated that with uh, almost a bit of contempt, if you like. Um, yeah. Played a game at Norwood Oval, you know, strolled through it, beat the West Coast and thought, you know, done enough. Took um, a ridiculous outfit, that's that's to be honest, out, up to uh, Albury to play against a, a, a reasonably strong Richmond team. I, I, I didn't see any sense in that. Mm. And I thought it was good form. Then we came back and thought we were for the real stuff. We were shocked by the way Adelaide attacked us and that was the sort of... We didn't go in to round one with good form uh, with anything and anybody. And I really I felt like it was an old thing that John Carl used to say to us all the time. He said, one, you can never flirt with your form. He said, but even if you're playing a trial game, you've got to go in hard because you come out hard. The minute you think you can muck around and just play on the edges, you'll get hurt. And I felt like we did that through that pre-season and it wasn't right. It wasn't the right preparation. I don't think anything to do with fitness. You can say other oh, took over and did, did this and did that and I don't think it had anything to do with that because we proved we could you know, end up running out games later on in the year but I, I just felt like we mentally were a little bit ahead of ourselves and we got bitten and, and it was more so after that first five rounds. We were three mm. and two for the toughest five rounds and then we won two out of seven yep. and lost to two bottom teams and that was just that was the killer. That was the killer. And we were in a hole that we couldn't get out of at that stage. So, look, so the way we finished the thing was more like us. So would you say that, that um, I suppose, that attitude towards um, approaching the game, was that something that just sort of built on those small pre-season things or would that just sort of just be an expression of something underlying that sort of, I suppose, represented our, our whole off-season from the year before where we probably thought, I know as fans we all thought, yeah, we were probably a really good premiership chance this year. Um, and I suppose players probably pick up on the same sort of vibe. Um, do you think that's, that's a long-term thing that needs to be corrected? Or? And that's hard to that's hard to arrest because mm. all pre-season, all I could hear was, now there's expectation for us, there's expectation. How do mm. we live with that? How do we finish that? While you're saying that, what you're saying is you're, you're a chance of the flag. Yeah. So that sneaks in and then you think, geez, that, oh, I'm better than what I am. And one of the great things in uh, the particular era I went through was that David Armfield in particular would get us in a huddle and say, you know and I know that the minute we think we're any good, we're not. <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. about keep yeah. yourself and teammates on the edge. The minute we think we're any good, we're not. And we had to keep ourselves on the edge. I fortunately crept in that they thought they were just that little bit further and you have to live on the edge. Like I say, mm-hmm. AFL... This is a week-by-week week proposition against teams that can beat you at any time, and we found that out the hard way. So how do you encourage the players to see the games that way? Um, obviously, there's been a couple of kicks up the bum in the last couple of seasons at, at key points, but 
Um, I mean, I think that's probably been an issue with the, the power for a few years now that they've maybe thought they're a bit better than they are. Um, as, as I suppose it's just a, maybe not as individuals, but as a group. And how, how do you correct that? Like, well, how do you keep people in check? Is that really a, one of the things where a bit of leadership comes in from the playing group or is it directed by the coaches or it's sort of the whole club comes together and refocuses? It's not, yeah, the whole thing. Oh, look, I don't think we've been thinking that. I think in 13, we were red hot goers underneath the new regime wanted to do well and, and produce uh, a season that was beyond everybody's expectation. In mm. 14, uh, we thought, well, this mob are going to have a dip. Not only did they, but they just got better and ended up, you know, really impressing the pants off of everybody. And, you know, the preliminary final to, you know, the eventual premier. But so that, I reckon that was the moment. Once, once we'd finished that preliminary final when everybody was down on their haunches, all the rest of it, I still think that everybody walked away thinking, okay, post this, we're going to work hard and we'll just go that one step further. Mm. Gee, it's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. And you, you, you're getting teams now that can pop up a la the West Coast from ninth and jump yeah. into a grand final. That, that's how even that competition is now. Yep. And that, that middle, you know, they say, oh, they're capable of finishing anywhere between six and, you know, 14. Well, now between six and 14 the year before can jump up into a grand final. So, yeah. um, that's how close it is. And, and even going into 2016, if we think, okay, we've just had a bit of a correction, we're going to go again, we have to live on the edge. We have yep. to live on the edge every single minute, and that will be the thing that drives us to getting – and you don't even, you know, don't even worry about the GF as such. Let's mm. just worry about ourselves prepared for round one and winning as many games as possible that minor round to make sure we're in a position to have a crack at the finals. And, and that means top four, doesn't it, really, for me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I posted up as everyone's going, oh, my God, sing the, give us the Premiership Cup now um, earlier today that, what's the old cliche, a team of champions doesn't beat a, a champion team. And I still don't think uh, we played as a, uh, a team last year at times and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it improves this year. I guess the Twitter sphere before I calls breakdown um, was going quite strong, and Tim and Portia, one of them uh, was the fact that people still think we're going to trade low. What do you guys think? Uh, I think there's two cases to be made. One is strictly to do with list management, and the other one is to do with the fact that he's a top bloke around the club. Um, so the first one, you'd probably say, I reckon you'd have to say yes, because he's got a high value right now and if he's playing second ruck to Paddy Ryder next year then he's probably going to be underutilised but in terms of I don't know how he fits into the team and how he's sort of part of the fabric I'd, that's probably the area where there's a bit of leeway to say don't do it but ultimately he's under contract it's entirely up to him what he does so it's out of our hands really Sorry did you say that the the, the tweet said that he'll still be traded was that yeah, yeah, well, that's what they're intimating. There's, there's, ra- there's random chit-chat that we're, we're looking at trading low. Oh, okay. No, it won't happen this year at all. No. They've already stated that. And, and uh, mm. uh, one thing from Ken Hinckley is he, he's not one for throwing out perfect. Um, so, no, they'll be hot on that. 
and uh, they are definitely going to keep Matthew Loby. There's no no drama whatsoever there. I mean, I think the way we've traded, I don't think we need to anyway. I mean, we brought in another outside runner, which is what we were short. Is he going to deliver? We still don't know. And we brought in a key forward. So, I mean, really, coming into 2016, we've got a no-excuse squad now, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we were just talking about it before it, uh, it crashed there, uh, Rick, but mm. Porsche actually discussed the fact that I, I said, you bring in Dixon and Thumpers, uh, but it's not two names that wins your premiership. It's no two given people that will make it happen. And I said, you know, 2004 is a great example where we lost Primus and Franco, two of our best players. And mm. you're able to the flag. So you have to be good enough and enough depth to be able to carry anything that may happen in a season. And, and that's our, I think, probably where we fell into a little bit of a false sense of security last year. Paddy Ryder, the missing piece and all the rest of it. But I was saying to it, to uh, Porsche that it's about uh, Paddy fitting in and uh, everybody fitting in with Paddy. And then I said inside the coach's box, we've had Alan Richardson in 2013. We had Phil Walsh in 2014. We've had uh, Michael Voss in 2015. Uh, we're having Nathan Batson in 2016. They're, mm. they're adjustments well for playing group and for coaching boxes. So, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot to be said in all of that. But, again... Making sure that we we're on the edge as a, as a footy club, and as individuals, we just want to be a part of it, and everybody wants to be a part of it, and not mm. saying oh, well, that's why we're going to win it, just pointing to one or two individuals. Mm, mm, mm. So, so I want to move on because I don't want yep. to bog us down for too long. And uh, I know Tim, you've got a lot of commitments and already as well. Um, um, the other one I thought I'd just bring out, uh, seeing this is your area of expertise at the club, Tim. Uh, memberships were released this week. Is that correct? Uh, memberships were released. Yeah, uh, not not my portfolio, but thank you very much. I'm uh, I'm pleased to take the credit for the fifty or sixty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> years. But no, <laughs> Yeah, Matthew, and he helped. He, uh, he looks after all that. He's done a terrific job. But yeah, they, they started that off, and I, I love how they've wiped the board off. We have a board internally at the office there, and they had the 60,000 odd up there, and they pulled that off, and we're up to 437. So <laughs> that was the end of the day. 437 uh, members at the moment. But uh, we've got something like uh, 30,000 members uh, that. Uh, basically say, yep, we're ready to renew straight away. So that's a great base to, to launch off, uh, terrific, mm. terrific base off, and certainly a, lo- a long way from where we've come. But, uh, yeah, it's great because this time of year we bring in um, uh, what you, you would say is uh, time-specific um, employees to come into the to the group, and we get uh, fresh faces that come in and just get on the phones, of course, and and help with this, uh, this membership drive. And it's just great that, you know, they all come in, they're proud as punch, they wear their port gear, um, and they're just, like all of us, they're just crazy port people who get the chance to help the club get uh, get the membership numbers. So, yeah, pretty exciting stuff, mate. I'd, I'd assume with the, uh, the board of 60,000 rubbed off, there'll be a new budget, uh, most likely, uh, what, 60,001 that we have to beat this year. And... Uh, yeah. Corporate sales sure. are going to have to double again, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, we get whipped every day. I feel like I'm in a scene from Ben Ur, mate. Just you know, with the chariots and all the rest of it <laughs> in, the, in the galleys and whipped. But look, that's that's all part of it. And uh, 
the more we can do really well in membership and corporate sales, the more we uh, get to spend in the footy department to make sure that we're, you know, as, as close to the Joneses as possible as far as that goes. But, uh, mm. yeah, no, it's, I don't know what the budget is, n- number is for membership yet um, as far as what their, their target will be. But, um, you know, 60000 last year was fantastic. Um, but, you know, who knows? I, I think, you know... In a few years' time, we could we could definitely be a seventy thousand member club. And and Porsche shared with us at the start of the show fantastic news that they're they're bringing back the polywaffle. How do you feel about that? About time. I'd be, how good am I going? I didn't even know it was out of circulation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you must have really missed it then. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an aging Porsche. I, I, I said I was talking to some young fellas at work. To, the other day saying, look, uh, I said, I cruised through my 30s. I said, you know, I finished playing at uh, 31 and uh, cruised through my 30s and thought, you know, basically a playing weight, 38 years of age, all the rest of it, and thinking, how good is this? And then you hit 40, and then all of a sudden, what's going on? And then, gee, I'm nearly 50. I'm thinking, oh, what's the next decade going to do to me? So polywaffles are not a part of that, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So... I wanted to raise with you as well, um, and I know a good mate of yours, George Fiacci, is aghast by this, that you're actually doing a comedy show at the Fringe. Oh, hey, nobody labelled it comedy. That's here. <laughs> don't put the labels. I don't like that, mate. So you're right now. So, uh, yes, George, uh, well, what George is worried about is that uh, a fair bit of the content might be about him. That's what he's concerned about. Ah. And, uh, I think that's why we had to put the strong sexual references on there. <laughs> well, there are stories about George in there, so I had to put that up there as a warning. But uh, look, yeah, look, it'll be a lot of fun, mate. It's more. It's not one of those shows where you get somebody up there and they say, hey, what's the deal with airplane food? You know, it's, it's not yeah. that sort of a show. Um, oh. And it's certainly not, uh, what would you say, a... Um, avant-garde show either because I don't even know what that means but from my opinion I'm just going to get up there and talk about things that we've all done in our lives and that's like childhood we've been to high school we've had relationships uh, some of us have been parents and uh, some of us have enjoyed uh, the confounds of a, of a footy club and, and that's pretty much where I go with it and uh, tell stories about all those sorts of moments in in my life, and that I know relatable to others, because they'll all be thinking, "Geez, yeah, that I got a similar story to that." And I think that's the best thing about it: becomes relatable, and you uh, you go home hopefully feeling like you've had a good time. And I've got one little surprise, and that is, I've always probably in the back of my mind thought I could have been a game show host at some mm. stage. So, be a game show uh, somewhere in that that uh, fringe show. Don't worry about that. Where I think I'll get some up to uh, participate in Timmy G's idea so, of a game show. So is it one of those shows where you've got a really strict set or is it going to be a little bit different every night? So if people are really big Tim Geneva fans, they can come multiple nights and not be bored? Yeah, well, I, I think for my own entertainment, I've got to mix it up. <laughs> but I know that there's particular groups and, you know, one thing I suppose that's amazing about this new world with the social networking is that uh, people find out about it very quickly. And I thought the uh, release was on Wednesday, and it was on the Monday, and my phone's going absolutely berserk on the Tuesday. And I thought, what's happening? What's going on? 
of course, it's all these people I've either worked with or went to school with or you name it. And there's all these different groups saying, yeah, we're going to get this group together and we're going to go on this night, rah, rah. And all I say to them is, just tell me which night it is because I need to talk about it. And that's the great thing about it is I'll have groups from different workplaces that come in and I'll be able to tell work-related stories that they will sort of know about. And, uh, and it'll, for somebody who wasn't there, it doesn't matter because they will have something similar that would have happened to their mate or somebody at uh, work with them. And these guys will be laughing because they'll know the characters inside the story. So that's the beauty of it. I'll fix it up. So do you reckon, do you reckon your brothers will... Uh... Get a gig in this uh, in these in this storytelling, and um, I guess the other one is it sounds like it won't all be footy related either. No, no, that's correct. It won't be all footy related. So those that sort of go to the fringe for other reasons would enjoy it as well. Just to get a mention as well. Uh, there's some I, I see younger than me, and um, they tell their version of the story. But I tell my version of the story. And the good thing is, even when they come, on the night they come, I'll be telling them, listen, girls, I've got the microphone, you don't. So don't disagree with my version of the story. Because <laughs> to me, I was a really big brother. To them, I was a shithead. Um, so I did some terrible things to them. And uh, I love to explain that uh, <laughs> and on the stage. I had my sister's, one of my sister's 40th, so I got to tell a few of the stories. People loved it because they obviously knew Linda in particular, but me and my mate, we were about four years old, and we were just forever, you know, just, you, you tease them, but we were forever trying to uh, trick them into believing things, and they were so gullible, it wasn't funny, so it was just great fun, and, <laughs> you know, always leading them down a garden path. Well, I hope for uh, for this plug that... Uh... Portia, myself, and, and Craig get like VIP seats or something at one of your shows, Tim. A guy called Costa, who you know very well, that I've worked with him. The only reason I've done this show is he's the. Despite my help, this is Colonel Tom Park. I'm working 30 shows in, uh, at Vegas and he's on the slot, you know, can't <laughs> <laughs> one <laughs> more money. <laughs> I have to keep doing more shows. He's like, he's like taking a big percentage cut, is he, as your manager? Oh, but if, you get a, if you can get a premium seat out of him, mate, you've done fucking well. I'll, I'll give you a bloody, uh, I'll give you the, the extra money if you get one out of him, mate. He's, he's a hard unit, as you know. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the feeling that it's going to be like a uh, Billy Connolly sort of storytelling sort of vibe, but obviously a lot more upmarket than what that guy can do. Oh, geez, Billy, yeah, no, he's average. He can only do two and a half hours. I'm only allowed to do an hour. And that's one of the great things. They actually sent me a letter and said they'll find me for every minute I'm over. Fair <laughs> I'm making it lost for these shows. That's, that's hard. How fast can you talk? How fast can you talk? <laughs> oh, I know. Well, no, that's the danger. Is I, can, I can definitely talk very fast, Portia, but I'm going to try and keep it into some sort of perspective, but cannot run a minute over otherwise i'm in big strife so i wow. couldn't believe it it's a fine for every minute you're over and i thought gee you could definitely be in the red by the end of this show also i reckon your show is going to do wonders tim you've got a big following of uh, port supporters and even neutral supporters and those across the road so i reckon you'll uh, you'll sell out and uh, and do wonders so uh, 
I'm looking forward to it. I'll try and uh, I'll try and make my way there and uh, cheer you on. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of uh, old teammates sitting in the uh, in the seats watching you perform. Hey, Rick, the great thing about it, nearly every single group I've spoke about that have said, yeah, yeah, we're going to come, we're going to bring these people on our and we're going to heckle you. And I, I think to myself, all these people are going to come and they're all going to give me, you know, a bit of crap on the stage. And I'm thinking to myself, again, the problem is I've got the microphone, you don't. So I can absolutely, you know, a couple of people hear your comments, a whole room hears my comments. So I said, I'll be able to rip you apart before you can blink. And the good thing is, if I know them, I've got dirt on them. So that's it already. I know how to get them. That's not a problem. Uh, that will have some fun anyway, mate. Now, I'll give you the option, Tim. We've, Macca has forced um, Porsche and myself that we do have to have 15 minutes of footy talk tonight on players. So he's given us six players that he wants us to quickly review called The Hope. Um, did you want to do this player review quickly with us or did you want to depart now? Yeah, you're all right. So, all right, so these are, these are our Hope players. The first player... Um, that we're reviewing for 2015 in the Hope category and what will we get in 2016 is the Butch. Uh, signed a one-year contract, our 24-year-old key forward in five AFL games for nine disposals a game, two contested marks, 4.4 marks a game, kicked three goals, four goals assist, and in his 15 SA in AFL games, he kicked 14 goals, average of 10 disposals and three marks. I really thought I saw progress with him in the last four games of the year, and I think that's what won him another contract. What do you guys reckon? I'll let him go first. Uh, I think six weeks before that, I think everybody had uh, come to the fact that Butch wouldn't be at Port Adelaide in 2016. I think he himself was uh, thinking that way himself. The, the beauty of this game is you get an opportunity and he got one and he took it and I think uh, what he did with it was impressive enough for, for the, the coaching group to go, you know what, if uh, if he's going to show that sort of endeavour again, he, he's going to stay on the list. And I thought it was terrific the way they did it and I think he's very um, pleased about it because I know when he finished uh, that first game that he played, at uh, Adelaide Oval in the change rooms, he said to my good friend Paul Rosonico, he said, you know, even if I don't play another game here, he said, I just love it so much. And it was a really nice, uh, heartfelt statement that he just loved being at the footy club. And I think we love him. Every time he gets that footy, you know that that crowd is willing him to do well. And I think that's a really, um, a really important point to remember that they do want him to do well. And I think in those last five games, he was able to show enough for him to get that one-year contract. And I think it was, you know, mutually sort of held by by everybody. But, you know, if you really want to be cold and hard on it, uh, it's it's an insurance contract. And that is, mm. with, with all the key uh, forwards, it is basically he'll be, you know, three or four deep, but he's insurance. And... Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, a very good insurance tag for us. Yeah, I think that, um, I guess before the trade period, um, John might have thought that uh, he'd next use his opportunity to shine, but now he's got a, a lot to work through with um, both Schultz and Dixon at the club. 
um, which I suppose before a few, only a few weeks ago it looked like we'd lose one of them at least and might have had neither. Um, I guess that does change his perception probably for next year around to being insurance and having to be in form at the right time. Um, do you think that might change how he approaches the, his preparation for the season or do you think he'll just try and keep plugging away and doing the small things he can and I suppose working on his goal kicking, which is obviously the biggest flaw in his game? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's going to be a bit more relieved. I think he'll be less tight than he was this time last year. Mm. Uh, I think he can enter into it with a, with a really good feeling about it and just knowing that uh, it's almost like he's missed a stay of execution. And I, I think he feels like he's a free man now, and I think he'll be a lot better for it uh, overall. So, yeah, no, I, I think he can approach it feeling a lot better about himself. Yeah, I know there's um, this Japanese story. I, can't, I couldn't tell you the name of it or who wrote it or anything like that. I think it's just a story uh, about a samurai who he was a very good fighter and he went around and he fighting all these other samurai and he said, ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to let's fight this condemned man. So he's, he was going to be killed. This, this prisoner, he said he can fight for his freedom. And that was the toughest fight he ever fought because all the other samurai he fought hadn't really had to struggle to get where they were and the fighting, yeah, they were just fighting, but they didn't really understand the consequences, whereas the person that was condemned to die, um, he was fighting for everything and so he was the most vicious opponent that samurai had ever faced. And I guess it's probably something like that with Butcher, hopefully next year, is that we've seen him in the past. I think he's had a... He certainly he seems to be someone... Just superficially, he seems to be someone that has a fairly uh, lackadaisical attitude towards the football in that he obviously gets tense about it, but maybe he hasn't had quite the focus. And I guess there's a possibility that this off-season will really focus him in that and hopefully he'll get the message that it is his last chance and he'll, I suppose, approach the football a bit differently in that respect. But, um, yeah, it's certainly going to have to be consistent all year to really get a shot in the, the top AFL side, you'd have to say. Um, behind Schultz and Dixon at this point. I, um, I, actually, uh, I actually think Butcher becomes a really important player for us in 2016 um, because I actually think that Butcher, if he's in form, is going to allow us to have some greater flexibility with our man management um, between Schultz and Dixon because obviously Dixon's coming to us with a bit of a, uh, an ankle history and, and sustainability uh, of a full season issue and, and Schultz is getting older and really struggled at the end of this year after a long season so um, if Butcher's on, on fire and, uh, and can maintain um, some presence and push well that's going to allow us to potentially not be affected uh, by resting Dixon maybe or Schultz in a, in a long flight per path and uh, if I can spit it out and actually uh, you know that will be for our, our benefit and strength so he he becomes really important for us in 2016. Beautiful so uh, who's next on your list Mike? Yeah I know get cracking. Cleary 21 year old defender third season on the list played eight games nine touches four marks nearly two tackles two rebounds 4.25 spoils a game and in 13 SANFL games 14 touches and six marks I think uh, 2016 is going to be a big crunch year for him. He, he probably uh, he did it right, probably just didn't do enough, but he, he's sort of getting there. But now he's hitting into the age bracket of you need to perform. Oh, I'd say he's not quite at that point yet. I think he's been developing quite well. And the reality is I don't think that the requirement is there for him to perform at this point because he's still behind what Bobby Carlisle and Jack Homsch and uh, Jackson Trengo uh 
you know, if we were, uh, I suppose, had let step in this position, there would be a high demand on him to perform. But I think that if he does okay um, and plays a few games, I think he'll still be around the year afterwards. I think that we forget that um, when he came to the power, like Daryl Wakeland spent a bit of time in the twos and so did Matthew Bishop, um, even though they were probably ready to play AFL level uh, football at that point, and just because the competition for spots was pretty high. And I think that we just got that same situation in defence again, like we did in 2001 to 2004, um, just with those key defenders. And that's good because, you know, if you lose a key defender, that can end your season. Um, so it's good to have the... Uh, I think I think I'm pretty confident in Cleary as a backup in 2016, to be honest. And I think he had a pretty good 2015 too. Um, certainly, uh, I think that... Um, yeah, I think he's in a good spot for next year. And I think if he just keeps progressing, he'll do pretty well. I thought he... I thought Tommy actually, this year, found out that, yep, I can hold my own mm. at that standard. I think next year what we've got to do is then go, okay, so how now can I get creative? Because what I found him doing was just making sure he shut down yep. an opponent and he could get enough of the footy himself. And I think that's what they'd be looking for in his development is, okay, mate, that was great for this year. We want you to not only try to do that, but create. And he did it at SNFL level, but I don't think he had the confidence just yet at AFL level, and that's the next step. Really. Mm. Do, you, do you think you'll really get that opportunity to do that in the AFL side, though? Because if you look at our defence, there's a lot of creators there. Like Among the tools, obviously, Jack Comps is pretty good, but then you've got you know, Broadbent and Pittard and Cracker and O'Shea and basically or Hartlett, obviously, when he's uh, playing a bit of a defensive role. Um, we've got a lot of creators in that back line and I would have thought there wouldn't be that many opportunities to rebound for him to really make his mark. Do you think that might be the case? Or? Oh, no, he's, he's, uh, his position is either fullback, he's either Trengo, Carlisle or Honk. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's him. And what yeah. I'm saying is in the last few years, let's count up how many games Carlisle and Trengo have missed. Yeah, and, true. Uh, that, that's been... It's been a disappointment that those two have not had stable uh, seasons, have they, for, for, uh, consistently with each other in the team. So Jacko's always doing something to himself that eats him out for five or six weeks. Um, mm. does a, always does a great job in recovery and comes back uh, fit and healthy, but, gee whiz, he, he misses a lot of weeks. And that's where Tommy's got to shine. And, and Tommy's mm. got to take one of those positions at, at those times, and that's where he's got to add those other bits to his game is where I'm saying. But, yeah, no, he, he's not in the Hartlett, Broadburn, um, Pittard roles at all. Yeah. We need Trengove and Carlisle to pretty much play a full season, and I think that would be very good for us. Um, the next one, I think, would be a quick one anyway, and it just shows the uh, unfortunate side of football with injuries. Um, Big Redden, 24-year-old Ruttman, being delisted one AFL game, which was probably uh, a bit of a surprise that he got called up for that game. And uh, nine touches, one mark, six hit-outs against Sydney. And, and 20 SANFL games with 10 touches, two marks, 27 hit-outs per game and kicked 10 goals. So I, I was a big fan of uh, the Big Red and I, I thought he was going to make it as an AFL Ruttman uh, before he did his knee. And uh, footy's a cruel thing, but hopefully with a bit of time, he might be able to fight his way back. I've got to say, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if we decided to rookie him um, because I think he's still got potential to come back. I mean, it can take time to come back from that, the injuries he's had. What do you think, Tim? I was asked him 
big, big long off that he had. And I, and I thought his ruck work in particular was almost Brennan Laid like with his palming. But mm. um, he he had a really long, laborious year, which uh, he struggled with and uh, never gained any sort of form that you said, yep, let's push him up. It was never that form in the SNFL that said he's, he's going to dominate. Gonna so I've delisted him. Like you said, they may, they may rook him, um, but I think they're, they're thinking if they got picks and they're going to have plenty of options uh, for, for rucking. So I don't mm. know that they, they will rook him um, again, but he certainly he's certainly a lad that could come good. I think he's still got time. He's still got age on the side, um, and, and I just think he's got to work a, a lot harder. And you never know; these big bikes can be picked up again because there's not there's not too many with his skill level. He's got great hands. He can kick beautifully and uh, beautiful palm. I think his motor and all the rest of it just weren't up. For the standard of AFL, and, and that's where he's got to get to. Yep, no, that's mm. fair enough. Um, next on the list, uh, I haven't seen much of this guy at all, so Tim, I think Porsche and I will probably rely on your insights, but I know uh, Ford Fairlane or Ron from Big Footy really, really is uh, encouraged by this guy. Big Billy Frampton, 18-year-old ruck, 11 SA NFL games, 8 touches, 3 marks, 12 hit up, hit-outs a game. Nine goals, and supposedly he's got a bit of mongrel about him. I love him. I love him already. Um, yeah. Exactly that. You know what? Port Adelaide people just love guys that have a dip. And the thing, when I played, there was a guy called David Irons who, when mm-hmm. Russell Johnson was fit and healthy and he was in first rut, David would go down to the forward pocket, you know, take the blokes, take the odd mark and all the rest of it. But when David Irons wanted to shine, it was when there was nobody else but him, and he had to rack at six foot three against all the blokes, and he would just absolutely go at it all day. This bloke reminds me of that sort of work rate and effort and mongrel, and I love that because it's so hard. You can't you can't get a champion data person to measure that. <laughs> it just doesn't happen, and he's got it. And uh, several times I know that Buddha grabbed him. With, and said, get in that middle kid and give us the lift that we need. And got a great vertical leap. He'll go do second, third efforts. And, you know, when you watch that sort of a play, you just love him. You go, that's the sort of bloke I want in my team. Um, Austin, 20-year-old key defender. I really like the looks of this guy. I reckon he's got great body shape, looks the goods. 10 SA in the field games, 14 touches, 5 marks. And I actually thought we, he might be one of these players that you could maybe potentially swing swing forward as well. But he, he, he just seems to be a really, really good mover. Uh, he's a key defender. Um, mm. And I, I really like him. He, um, the first time we played uh, the Crows in a trial game, he stood Podsy Adley and kept him to one goal. Um, and I thought... Kid that came straight out of the system. Um, unfortunately, he hurt both his shoulders uh, during the season, and he is very courageous. And he's had to have those uh, touched up uh, with a bit of surgery in the off season. But uh, he's going to be—he's basically they're, they're looking to groom him to be the next, you know, strength type. Because he's very down 
very um, good one on and uh, I, 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 um, look, I don't know a lot about Austin, apart from his drafting. Um, I, I certainly think that uh, if you look at the age of our uh, key defenders, um, he's just that nice rung behind Cleary and will keep a, a good chain of players coming through if he keeps developing well. So I haven't heard anything about him that's negative, uh, and he certainly does seem to have the build to, I suppose, really put on muscle and be a, a, a top-line AFL player. Um, it's certainly physically, so it's just a matter of the work and uh, getting his, uh, learning the game plan and all that. So, yeah, I've he'll be around all the next year and hopefully he'll keep progressing well and uh, he's got another footballing talent he's a very good looking young man so I reckon he'll do well with the ladies as well old Logan (laughs) (laughs) Um, the other player and I know Macker is a big fan of this guy uh, Dougal Howard 19 year old key forward uh, still young uh, very raw 14 SA NFL games 8 touches 3 marks 6 kicks I thought as the season progressed, he started looking very good. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I think he's behind um, Logan and Billy at the moment as far as the weight he adjusted to SNFL. I thought it was a bit uh, above him at the moment, uh, league footy in mm. the SNFL. Um, I didn't think he was quite red or up up to it, and you could see glimpses, but I honestly thought that. He wasn't getting anywhere near enough ball or getting to enough contests. And unlike the other two, who were, I was really surprised at and quite impressed with at SNFL level, I thought the Dougal was it was just a bit beyond him. Now, what I have seen is there's definitely the talent and the potential there in glimpses, but he's going to have to have a, an enormous preseason and then have a big impact. He's got a nice, nice leap, good hands, can play forward or back. Um, but needs a really good pre-season, and, uh, and that's a settling year for him, but I think he can have a much better year in 2016. So would you say it's more about his um, focus and attitude or just his fitness at this point while he's sort of building up? Now, all four kids we've got, because um, Jesse Palmer, I'd imagine, might be in the next one, but uh, all four kids we've got have got terrific attitudes. They're terrific lads. Uh, they've adjusted uh, well to living away from home. And they've fitted into the SNFL, um, uh, what would you say, the SNFL program really well. Uh, and, and there's been nothing, you know, I don't know that they've had too many crosses on their names as far as their report card goes at the end of the season. So, yeah, no, pretty impressive kids. Mitch Harvey's next, as we all know, 20-year-old key forward, 18 in SNFL's games, uh, uh, 10 touches, 4 marks, kick 21-14, Everyone was a little bit shocked, I think, that he was terminated uh, so early. Um, but I guess maybe it came down to him and Butch in the end uh, for staying on the list. Yeah, look, um, the sort of reports I got was that with all these other tall lads that they got saying height-wise, their big concern with Mitch was that I think the word was that he might have, might have been a, a really good forward in the 80s. Um, mm saying that with what they need him to do today that he wasn't getting up and down the ground the way they want him to in AFL and that they thought that that's going to take a lot longer than what they're prepared to wait for. So um, I was a bit the same because I like Mitch because he had a bit of, he had a fair bit of grunt in him and he has a bit of go and he's still a young big fella 
but what it was. And the one thing I didn't see was enough change in his body shape to suggest that he could do what they were asking. And that was the thing. I, I, I still saw him maybe carrying a bit of puppy fat on his legs and his, his waist, and I would like to have seen that uh, absolutely you know, trimmed down. And, and maybe that's why he wasn't being able to do the things that they wanted him to do. So still a kid that hopefully doesn't lose too much confidence. I liked it but as a lad. Like I said, a lot of grunt, a lot of talent, I think, in there. Um, again, when they're so young, they've got the ability to bounce back. It's not over. And last but not least, Mason Shaw, a 21-year-old key forward, 10 SA in a field game, six touches, three marks, 4-3. Another one, injury-prone, underperformed. It's a bit of a shame. Showed a lot, but just couldn't deliver. Yeah. yeah I, I, did you see him at all, Portia? No, not really. No, unfortunately. I, I saw a fair bit of him um, in his games that he did play at SNFL level um, and I, I was thinking to myself all the deal, I like this kid's hands very good hands um, he had uh, osteitis um, pubis for um, well, the whole, I think the whole pre-season and most of this year and it just did not give him anywhere enough time out on the oval to do anything and uh, yeah, in the end I don't know what the report card he got um, from the coaching Group, but yeah, I think in the end they just needed more out of him, and I just don't. Know. I think it's unfortunate. He just, you know, physically couldn't give it. So he lost an enormous amount of weight too during that. Obviously, you know, working to try and get over it in the in the sweat box and all the rest of it. But no, I didn't like that. He was actually too thin by the end of it. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I always thought he had some potential. But yeah, again, he's a big kid. They take mm. time. And sometimes the, the AFL doesn't allow that anymore. If the club already knew that, um, you know, that Dixon was in the works, then they'd certainly be looking just for list balance. You know, they had to lose a key forward uh, off the list, really, sort of to fit him in. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, if you're at the bottom of that list, then you get dropped, even if you've got a bit of talent or a bit of potential. Well, you might yeah. be right, Porsche, because they, they put them all in the groups. They've got tall forwards, small forwards, you know, mids, small mids, big mids, all the rest of it. So they've got all that up there. And you're dead right, mate. I'm going, gee, have a look at that. Yeah, no, we're a bit uh, top-heavy. Yeah. I mean, just quickly, as a parent, you know, if I look at it from a parent's perspective and know my kids, you know, I'd be saying to them, uh, Shaw, Harvey and Redden, boys, you're only 20 or early 20s. You know, just keep working hard if this is really what you don't want to do. They've still got years, uh, a few years in front of them to try and re-enter the system if they're willing to work hard and... You know, and that's the same for most of these young guys that unfortunately get delisted. So, um, fingers crossed that um, that can be the case. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's why I probably said that in my assessment. I, I, I really think it's one of the biggest blows um, that they'll receive, but can it be the turning point? Yeah, can it be the mm. turning point for them? You know, there's so mm. many good stories. Um, you know, sometimes knows the, you know, how many no's you've got to get to get to the yes. Um, it, this might just be one of the no's that they've got to cop. And, yeah, you're right. If you really want it, your desire is really there, you know, you can still get there. You can still get mm. there because they do, they do have that size and they have that age on their side. It's now a matter of whether uh, they can get themselves back into the system. Mm. Any final thoughts before we uh, close it up? 
not my, my, my would, I'm just uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, pre-season, I think that's just a, a necessary evil and you've got to do it very, very well. But I'm really looking forward to, uh, I'm approaching the pre-season in a different mindset and uh, living, living on the edge would be my catch cry for 2016. Awesome. Good call. The, uh, the thing I'm looking forward to most in the pre-season is actually going to see Timmy G live on stage. Hey, now that's living <laughs> on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, once again, thanks for your support during the season. Thanks for coming on. You know, everyone loves listening to you, so, mm. um, you know, and we appreciate you joining us, and, and it's great that you can make the effort. And you guys in the corporate sales did a fantastic job um, in your role for the club, the the membership department did a great role in in breaking our record and also surpassing our cross town rivals. But for me, it's more than beating our cross time town rivals. I want to be number one in the AFL. Yeah, that's the spirit, my friend, and that's the thing that gets us going, doesn't it? Eh? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, beautiful. Uh, Competition is good. That was yeah. fantastic, mate. Well done. Really good chat. That was Thanks, fun. Tim. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Porsche, what did yeah. you think? We Bit of a disaster, but we survived without Craig. I think we're doing all right. I think that uh, we'll definitely hear about it during the week. Um, I think that, <laughs> I'm uh, sure. I'm sure that when Macca received the audio file, he'll be swearing at us a fair bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, I'm going to say it's all your fault because it probably is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I'll uh, I'll take the blame. It's, you, you need uh, to get one of those like those twenty dollar headphone microphone things you can get at Officeworks. They're they're really good. They're really good. I tell you, I tell you what, I'm doomed by the quality of microphone, aren't I? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you think of a philosophical topic for to take us out tonight? Ah, <sighs> not really. Um, no. No, no, no. The only, oh. any philosophical thought I've had lately is just the one that we sort of discussed earlier um, about how do you get your attitude right? Because, I mean, as yeah. fans, and also I suppose really what the difference is in terms of the interaction with fans and players now compared to what it was 20 years ago because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about most people out there. I guess we're all in the same boat in that we think we're going to win the premiership next year, right? Like there's no reason for us not to. Uh, and in the past, you know, the players that only interact with a few of the fans that go back to the club rooms, pretty much. But now there's Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter. You know, every time a, a player has a nice steak, they get 10 tweets to them saying, oh, it looks like a bloody good steak. How about the weekend? You know, all that sort of stuff. And I, I just kind of wonder how hard it is to avoid fan expectations now compared to in the past and whether that's, I don't know, as fans, whether that's something we need to try and keep a lid on to some extent as well. Um, mm. I don't know. Do we have a responsibility? Uh, well, look, at the end of the day, though, I mean, part of following sport is having the hype as well, isn't it? And that get the elation of expectation, uh, which can be deflated when expectations aren't reached. So, you know, do you want to live a life in the flat lane where it's just benign or do you want to have the fluctuations, I guess? And well- it's maybe not so much about that, that, but the extent to which you interact with players with that sort of perception on what's going on. I don't mm. know. Like, I mean, it's one of the things they talk about, like the training camps and so forth, or when all the players go and have a pre-season in Dubai or wherever else, is just that it gets them out of the system and sort of isolates them to some extent, which is probably pretty hard to achieve um, with any RFL club, quite frankly. Um, the bigger mm. the club, the more so. 
and let's face it, we're becoming a big club these days. So um, mm. I just kind of wonder how hard, whether that's an impact on how teams are going to perform. So that's, that's interesting to me. Mm. So um, how do you think we're going to go in 2016 ho- hosting a bi-weekly show without Macca? What, completely without Macca? Yeah. Oh my God, what? Yeah, I thought that's what we're doing. Every second Thursday, Mac will have oh, a week every off. Second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look, we'll do fine. I'll have to work out yeah. how to do the editing and things like that, I guess, just for consistency. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Good work. And I've got to say thanks to everyone that tuned in. There was a, more, there was, um, a lot more uh, Twitter activity. And, uh, and look, everyone's... <laughs> I do have a loud voice and I apologise for smashing everybody's eardrums, but I honestly did press mute on the microphone. So I now know that muting the microphone does absolutely nothing when you're hosting the show. So if you feel like it, I can actually sing a song for you guys, if you like, if that's going to make you feel better. I think that would just cause more damage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, you just need to, yeah, I don't know. You should warn Macca when you send through the sound file too because he'll get a nasty shock just like everyone else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. I'm going I'm to get a ribbing online. So I apologize. Everyone's getting stuck into me. So, uh, all right, well, we might end it here and uh, I'm, okay. I'm going to uh, call a friend in need and see how they're going. I've just got one last question. Now that we've yes. finally got through all the trading and we've still got some trade period, are you feeling a bit more relaxed and less tense than you were last week? Uh, because mm. you were pretty on edge. Only because, yeah, I'm, I'm only going by the media, and yeah. I was just agitated that what was coming out in the media. It seemed to me like we were going to be sacrificing potential deals again in this in the pursuit of ha- the one happy uh, deal. And that's I was going to say happy meal then. And <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's what was just concerning me. And. What happened is what I wanted to see, that we just said, well, you know what? Whilst you're stuffing around with Dixon, uh, we're going to continue with our other strategies. And they got, and the deals ended up getting done. We did Tumpus first and Dixon second. So that's why I had aches. So, um, yeah, I mean, in reality, Dixon was 95% going to come here. uh, Mm. And I still didn't like the fact that we declared our hand so early on that pick 10 was on the table even if it was i just don't think we should have come out you know even before trade period and gone yeah yeah let's do it i think it's important because if you don't say if you if you can't there's media pressure as well so if port come out and they don't say what they're offering then gold coast can make up any old bullshit and leak it to journalists and it sounds like port are being unreasonable and then the whole tone of the week goes against port adelaide and also probably the AFL's tone goes against us as well, whereas if we come out up front and say, here's an okay offer, I think that's probably a stronger position for us as a club because then it requires that Gold Coast publicly respond to it uh, rather mm. than just sort of hide everything and then pretend that we're being unreasonable when we're not. So I don't know, I mean, I, I'm, behind the, I'm quite happy with that pick 10 offer. It was interesting, though, because we really had the, um, the neutral support in the media, didn't we? No, yeah. everyone... Uh, Everyone was saying our deal is reasonable and yep. and they should just take it and but they didn't want it so uh, yeah so I think that you know from that perspective it um, it did put a bit of heat on them to actually uh, 
get something done. But we've got it done, so and it is exciting. I mean, it is going to be exciting going to uh, the footy again in 2016. And with the underperformance of our team this year, I, I'm still uh, I'm still roaring or champing at the bit to uh, to get there and see what our boys can do. It's going to be a bloody big year, 2016. It'll be great. It is. When's the fixture come out? I have no idea. But all I know is that we're going to be annoyed at how few Friday night games we get. We're going to be disappointed with how many Sunday night twilight games we get. There's going to be a week where we do travel to non-Melbourne cities twice in a row and we'll complain about that and we'll probably have to go to Perth in round 23. Yeah. I don't actually mind the round 20, the round 23 game, home or away at Perth. Um, yeah. you know, it, it makes sense from an AFL perspective to to switch it, you know, one of the teams, because we're the closest to Perth. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, you know, and if we're good enough, it shouldn't really matter. If we had to go, you know, remember, remember in the early 2000s where we'd have maybe three or four away games in a row... Um, you know, if we had to go Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, last three games from the finals, mm. um, that would be a bit rough. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think one game on, one game off, the players are professional enough. And I know hearing Burgess speak at a uh, at a conference, um, he he doesn't think um, that travels uh, that relevant at all. And he used Tim Kale as an example with the amount of flights to performance he had to uh, uh, to perform at at. EPL level and also then at national level and he, he quoted um, the AIS figures and basically was saying that if they went off the AIS recovery system um, for Tim Kale flying from England through to uh, the Middle East uh, for a national game, he would have actually had to sit out for two weeks for recovering from that flight before he could play. And, you know, he's flying yeah. for a long period of time and then playing the next day and then flying out and playing again and performing at the highest level. Um, yeah. So, awesome. Portia, once again, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for putting up with my inadequacies tonight. So um, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week for the last show. It will be awesome. And uh, love yous all. Thurston, pick it for the overlap.